Alderney Strangler. So terrible, so shocking, so disgraceful are the revelations within this next account of Island Sin that certain details have been omitted to protect not only the current occupiers of the soon-to-be-mentioned dwelling, but also, and perhaps more importantly, yourselves, dear listeners, from the ravaging privations that so regularly corrupt the body and the souls of good, honest, God-fearing folk on this wretched island. It began with a simple invitation between solid teenage friends to eat junk food and watch films all night. Whilst this tale involves both authors, it was Mr Black whose encounter would come to reveal indications of a a deeper, more tragic history. The invite had been passed to Mr Black verbally and without pomp or ceremony. Naturally it was accepted and the necessary combinations of Pancreas rupturing sugary drinks, salty snacks and a plethora of Mr Kipling's finest delectables were gathered in all their calorific splendour. At the time, our own author, the good Dr Ravenscroft, aged a mere 15, was living with his grandmother in a small bungalow within the impenetrable and labyrinthine warren known as Allier Fay. We've actually got a footnote here because the name Allier Fay is quite... Interesting. So it should be pointed out that, uh, as a curious aside, Allier Fay means Lane of Fairies and seemingly refers to a dolmen complex thought to have stood on the grounds of the dwellings. Throughout Northern European mythology, fairies have plagued man, taunting and teasing them, luring them away from their normal habitations. The fairies of old are not tiny children living in flowers. Rather, the fairies of old are strange denizens of another world. And denizens that are often excessively hostile towards mankind. Their primary goal seems to have been to seduce the innocent and lead them away from the world of men into a strange marriage with their witch-queen. Of particular interest to us here is the curious correlation between the idea of a lane being a single road combined with the notion of fairies known for their agenda of confusion and entrapment. Lo and behold, it needs not be said that the strange complex of bungalows seems to conform to the confusing and contradictory idea of a fairy lane. It seems simple to enter, but it can rapidly become both confusing and disorientating. As you leave Allier Fay, be sure to pass good wishes to the Witch Queen and her fairy abominations and thank them for sparing you. Anyway, to return to the story... The move to this strange bungalow-strewn maze was a temporary response to the bizarre incident in which a lightning-blasted bow had crashed through the roof of their previous abode. That is Dr Ravenscroft, or the the soon-to-be Dr Ravenscroft and his grandmother. This bow crashed through the roof as if 
His infernal majesty had taken affront at Dr Ravenscroft's sustained and pious offensive against his nefarious machinations. Indeed, there has been rumoured in dark corners of the island that any lightning-struck grounds and buildings are incurring the duly earned wrath of the hoof-footed one. Returning to the tale at hand, the evening began with mirth, good humour, and ridiculous gluttony, as we feasted on calorie-rich, nutritionally deficient arterial diabolisms. And as the bloodied disc of the sun slipped from the sky, so we sank into our festering depravity of horror films and chocolate bars. Soon the night blossomed, giving rise to the grinning lechery of the bone-wise and gleaming gibbous moon and our sustenance shifted from refined sugars to a voyeuristic cocktail of cinematic sex and slaughter. It may have been the whole box of fondant fancies, or the litres of Tizer, but at some point the author, black, entombed in a sleeping bag, reclined resplendent on the living room floor, slipped from consciousness into a fitful delirium, while across the room his associates sat transfixed by whatever B-rated gore-fest we were currently watching. At some later point in the night, Black awoke. Ravenscroft, in his sleeping bag, lay slumped over like a broken corpse. The only signs of life, gentle snoring and a single strand of ectoplasmic drool stretching from his mouth to the half-eaten bag of cheesy munchables he had clearly been scoffing prior to his eventual surrender to sleep. The television hissed its mottled snow, amplifying the quietitude of the building. Even Jason, the perpetually enthusiastic black Labrador, had, it seemed, found solace somewhere, dreaming of bones and wilderness walkies. Turning to a, a direct account of the event by Captain Black, we read the following. All was quiet. All was still. I lay on my back. Eyes closed, drifting between worlds, not quite fully awake, gently mulling over the events of the previous day. Creak. My ears immediately pricked. My mind was instantly roused to full wakefulness, as only a startling sound may do. My eyes snapped open, staring directly above me at the ceiling. From my location on the floor, head in the centre of the room, feet pointing towards the doorway leading to the corridor, I lay, slowly lowering my eyes towards the corridor from whence the sound had garnered my attention. And there it, or rather, he, was. Writing this now still sends a ripple of goose flesh crawling across my back and arms as a tide of dread washes over me. Stood before me, Filling the doorway to the room was a man, a big, burly man, with a bushy black beard and a lumberjack-style plaid shirt. To my recollection, albeit tarnished over the years, it seemed to me that his eyes burned with ferocity. No, not ferocity, but a quiet, yet palpable, seething anger. His forearms were outstretched towards me. His open palms and spread fingers seemed ready to grasp me. 
In a shot I was up. Half falling, half flying from my sleeping bag, I propelled myself through an adjacent doorway into the kitchen, waking Jason with a start. As I fumbled, trying to open the back door all thumbs, the dog jumped around, barking, adding to the sudden explosion of activity. It was, at this moment, both young Ravenscroft and his grandmother made their way into the kitchen, clearly concerned and wanting to know what was happening, but it was too late. My mind had given up and my body was in control. It had no desire to communicate. It simply wanted, nay, needed to leave. I was out the door, down the road, navigating my way through the bungalow warren and fleeing out up the Allier Fay Road, pausing to catch my breath at the windy corner crossroads. Here I sat, stunned, staring vacantly into space as I tried to figure out what exactly had just happened. Eventually I roused myself into action and left the area, returning to my own grandmother's house and to the comfort of my own bed. The excitement having sufficiently ebbed, I believe I fell into an immediate and satisfyingly deep sleep. The following day, Ravenscroft called round to find out what the bloody hell I thought I was playing at. As I explained, the jocular ribbing I expected from my friend failed to materialise. I was clearly making claims of a spectral encounter within his very abode. Needless to say, I have not to this day set foot again in that house, and so many years having passed very probably would not even be able to locate it again. And yet, the image of those eyes and outstretched hands bearing down on me still produces a pronounced physiological effect. So, there we have it. Was the entire encounter a combined product of awful E-numbers and violent movies? perhaps. But then something else came to light. If you recall, the mockery I had been expecting failed to materialise. Ravenscroft, knowing my own delicate temperament, had neglected to mention strange sounds that both he and his grandmother had heard on more than one occasion prior. Further to this, and clearly adding weight to the validity of my own encounter, both Lazarus and I later discovered his own grandmother had had her own spectral encounter in this very building. She had lain sleeping in her bed, and was awoken by the feel of large, ghostly hands about her neck trying to strangle her as she slept. Unfortunately, at this juncture in our research, we have been unable to glean more information concerning the history of this particular house, and so by way of advisory, I can only speak now of the general area. Be careful walking the Allier Fay roads and tracks at night, lest the potent enchantments of the fairies lead you down blind alleys, taunting, confusing and befuddling your minds. Once lost therein, your disorientation will open up an unseen vulnerability, which may very well lead you down the pathway to the bungalow in question, and an undesired encounter with the Alderney Strangler.
Thank you for tuning in to Alderney the Devil's Rock this week. We hope you found today's episode informative, entertaining and maybe a little unsettling. If you have any information related to today's topic, some special insight or fragment of island lore, or you have a specific tale of Alderney weirdness, we would love to hear from you. Email us at oldenythedevilsrock at gmail.com with your story and we may feature it on some future episode. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a rating and a review. It really helps us reach more listeners. You can also support us on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Ulysses Black, all one word. For updates and behind-the-scenes content um, and probably some images and stuff, the episodes are all still going to be free, but if you want to support the project financially, there is that opportunity there too. So that about wraps it up for this week. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for more spooky thrills from The Devil's Rock.